0: What's going on guys welcome on into second and short the premier NFL podcast radio show with your host Tyler louder and today I am finally back took a week off had some family stuff going on with one of my kids and we are back to get in the swing of things the NFL draft is right around the corner it is nine days away so on today's episode what I'd like to do is I would like to go over some trades that i think are going to happen places that i think people are going to make trades that and then kind of just wrap it up with the speculation that we've seen from these final pro days that are going down and if we think any players are going to be rising up the boards now even though i wasn't here on radio i still dropped a podcast from home this past week and if you guys want to check that out look up second and short It's over on YouTube right now. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find it. And I pretty much went over uh, an article that I read from Bleacher Report, and they had the seven most plausible draft day trades for the 2021 NFL draft. And I went over all seven of those trades and kind of broke them down on a basis on if I think they were actually plausible, realistic based on the values given, and whether or not I thought those teams would actually make that move versus just staying put and taking their pick. So we're going to continue with that trend, and we're going to talk about the most—I don't even know how to say this—but pretty much the best spots to trade into, and I'll give you the reasons why they're the best spots to trade into uh, as we move along. So what we do know is that picks one, two, and three are locked in, and by picks one, two, and three are locked in, I mean. We know the Jags are staying put, the Jets are staying put, and the 49ers, who traded up, are going to stay put. I think Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson are guaranteed top two. I could be messing up. You never know. I, is there, there could be something surprise with Jacksonville with all these all this talks of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, apparently, he, uh, he doesn't love, like he doesn't like have a chip on his shoulder. And he's not out here to like prove everybody wrong, which in my eyes, who cares about that? Like who really, you know, thinks that that's that important? I understand this aspect. And I was listening to, uh, I was listening to Dan Patrick and his show the other day, it was yesterday. And just talking about all these great quarterbacks that had these chips on their shoulders. And we're talking like Drew Brees is a second round pick. Pat Mahomes was passed up over Mitch Trubisky and Watson. You know, we have Tom Brady in the sixth round. Aaron Rodgers gets drafted at like pick 26 or something like that. And all these great quarterbacks, you know, Joe Montana was a third-round pick. And they all have these chip on their shoulder. And that's what you want in your quarterback. But I personally don't care if Trevor Lawrence has no chips on his shoulder. I mean, why would he? Let's break down Trevor Lawrence for a quick second. Since he became a starter in high school, So, over the past, what, it's like six years, six, seven years, including college, he's lost five games, maybe six. That's it. So, he's always winning. He came in out of high school, took over a starter's, a senior starter's job, forced him to transfer, wins a national championship, gets back to the national championship. uh, And two years later, like, has always been in the playoffs. Please tell me. The guy that is graded out as a 90 overall pro football focus over the past three years in college, that has consistently won since he was in high school, and is going to be the number one draft pick in the NFL. Oh, and by the way, this past weekend, he just got married, so he's already with the love of his life. What does he have to prove to anybody? What chip should he be having on his shoulder? Sometimes in life, these people, they just got it all, you know? He's got, he's, he's got his wife. He's got a beautiful life starting ahead of him. He's about to be a top pick in the NFL draft and make tons of money. He just came from a really good school. Got you know He's getting his degree. He got to celebrate and win and make a program even better than it was the past four years. In my opinion, he could go into the NFL and never win a game ever and then be out of the NFL in like three years and he still has had a successful life and career already. So he has nothing, he has no chips on his shoulder. Good, he shouldn't, because he's performed well, he's played well, he doesn't lose, and he's getting rated the way he should be. Now, the reason why we bring this up is because now we see guys like Justin Fields, who, if you guys follow college football, going back uh, over three years ago, before Trevor Lawrence was signed to Clemson, uh, Justin Fields was getting signed to, Georgia, and they were the consensus number one and number two high school players going into college that year. They end up going to places. Lawrence gets to become a starter. Justin Fields has an issue with Jake Fromm, so he's got to leave because he can't be the starter. Um, they didn't do for him what, you know, they, they, the Georgia kind of supported Jake Fromm, whereas Clemson was like, sorry, Kelly Bryant, you're out. And so Justin Fields went to Ohio State, and it's always kind of been Lawrence and Fields back and forth. And for some reason, Justin Fields, who realistically, let's, let's be honest, has no red flags. None whatsoever. He, he isn't undersized. He isn't a one-read quarterback like people are trying to say he is because it's just a narrative they're driving. He comes from a school that hasn't produced NFL talent at the quarterback position before. Well, that's, that's to be debated because Dwayne Haskins was a first-round pick, and I know. Haskins didn't pan out, but I think that's more mental than his playing ability. And all these other guys that they start at quarterback end up being receivers because they can't play quarterback in the NFL, but that doesn't mean that, that quarterbacks don't translate. Like, Justin Fields isn't a wide receiver. Nobody is mistaking him for a wide receiver at all, saying he should transfer positions. He is a quarterback through and through, and he's going to be a quarterback in the NFL. He has no bad record on his, on his you know, things. Like, he's, he's got a better arm than somebody like Mac Jones. He has no DUIs in the past three years, like Mac Jones. He's been a multi-year starter, unlike Mac Jones. Uh, And he's put up great statistics for multiple years and led multiple teams to a championship and didn't have somebody else starting over him once he was like a sophomore on, once he went to a new school. Like I said with Georgia, if that had been any other school, Justin Fields would have been starting as his freshman. However, Georgia wanted to pay respect to Fromm. So that's just how it went. And I'm saying Mac Jones and all this because Mac Jones is getting looked at as the number three pick to the 49ers for some reason, uh, because, you know, he was great at Alabama. Granted, Alabama is about to have like two offensive linemen drafted in the first two rounds Uh, over the past two years. They're going to end up having four first round wide receivers. They've got defensive players left and right. Last year, they're a quarterback you know, went number five for them overall. So like, really, is Mac Jones that great? He can't throw the ball that deep. He has a poor deep arm. And he really has been benefiting from the system around him. He also has a DUI, like I said. He's not as athletic. He can't run. Yet he's getting looked at as a number three pick. Now, there are multiple avenues to dive down this. Historically, white quarterbacks reign supreme in the NFL. When I say that, I'm saying that there are more in history white quarterbacks than there are people of color playing quarterback. Now, is this uh, a flaw in the system of like the systemic? I'm not going to say people are being racist or anything like that, but over time, is this mentality of people of color can't play quarterback as well as white people, so we have to keep the white quarterback in, or is this just a preference against Ohio State because I have been looking. Alabama doesn't produce good quarterbacks. Ohio State doesn't produce good quarterbacks. Whatever you want to say. I don't think that stuff matters personally to me, but if you're going to use that as a narrative, both schools don't produce good quarterbacks. Okay, Both quarterbacks have performed at a high level. Both quarterbacks have made it far into the season. Both quarterbacks have played with great talent and won their their conference. But one quarterback has a better arm. He's better at reading the game. He's able to hit people past 20 yards and was able to be a multi-year starter, yet is not getting looked at as a guaranteed lock, the number two or even three pick. It's confusing to me, and it's something that I, I don't want to dive in too much on because it's all in speculation. You can never get anybody to confirm or you know, it's all going to be denying these speculation allegations that are out there on the internet. And I just kind of want to bring those to life because while that might not be true, it might not be accurate, it is still something to think about on the mystery of why Mac Jones is getting all this hype over somebody like Justin Fields. And something that I need to think about and actually present here, because I myself just got caught up in it, is that this is smoke season. And what I mean by that is that in the NFL, every year, People blow smoke up your you-know-what. That's just what they do. The whole point of blowing smoke is to distract somebody. It blurs the image of what's actually the truth. So if Mac Jones is getting all this hype, people are going to think that they need to trade up and get him. If they really like Mac Jones, it kind of presents him on this pedestal. But then it also shows that number four is where we find this place of Well, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they're going to be available at four. I need to start calling teams and move up. So let's go over places that I think are almost a lock to get traded. Like I'm saying that there is a three out of four chance, 75% that this spot will have a trade go down. I'm not going to, I don't know the teams that are going to go down this spot, but I just feel like these are ideal spots that are going to be traded. Now, last year in the NFL draft, we had four trades that happened during the first round. Of those four trades, the first trade took place at pick 13. The final three picks took place in the 20s. And of those picks that took place at 20s, we had, uh, it was at pick 13, 23, 25, and 26, So, where we saw all of our trades of teams moving up to that said spot. That is a very low number. If we know anything about the NFL draft, normally it's this big, exciting time. But last year with COVID and like everything getting shut down, players and, and coaches didn't really have time to kind of meet and mesh and present this opportunity for, you know, guys to trade up. And this is why we saw really good players fall into the 20s, like Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk. You know, when we see other guys fall to like the third, second, third round, that probably should have been first round picks, if not just an extra 10 to 15 spots higher. So with that being said, bold prediction on this episode right now, we are going to have at least eight round one, day one trades that are going to happen. The NFL draft is nine days away. And so I probably like I wish I was doing this show tomorrow because then I could say like eight days away, my thing is there's gonna be eight trades in the first round. But let's talk about the eight spots that I think are most likely to be presented to as traits. And I'll give some honorable mentions in here as well. So going over the very first spot is the number four pick with the Atlanta Falcons. What we do know is that quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three, whether or not we know the order that really doesn't matter because it shows that there, there right now there are four, in my eyes, there are four quarterbacks that are worthy of a first round pick. There's, in the eyes of others, there's five. So if quarterbacks go one, two, and three, the only way you can guarantee get a quarterback is to go up to number four. The Atlanta Falcons are in a perfect spot to either take a quarterback themselves, take a difference maker in Kyle Pitts, maybe take Jamar Chase to pair up with Calvin Ridley You know, and Julio Jones. You never, you never know what they'll do. Because Julio's 31, he's had a lot of injuries, he's missed games every year for the past... Like multiple, It's just multiple seasons, and it seems like he always misses like one game or like three games. So why not get his replacement early? Why not get Matt Ryan's replacement, you know? I mean, Matt Ryan's still relatively young compared to somebody like Tom Brady. But getting your next successor could be a good play for them. However, with the way this is, if they don't want to go quarterback, they could fall down and trade from number four. Speculation is pick nine. 10 maybe pick a you know pick 15 19 20 there's a lot of people that are potentially wanting to trade up for a quarterback so i think it is highly likely that the number four pick gets swapped out and gets traded down for me the most logical thing that makes the most sense is the denver broncos just because of all the teams that are willing to trade up for a quarterback i believe they are at the highest draft pick at number nine and i think that provides them with the most ammo because Atlanta would fall the least, but still gain a, a good ransom. That would probably include next year's first at minimum, as well as probably a couple picks this year and next year as well, like a third round this year and like a fifth round you know, next year. And they only moved down five spots and they weren't going to take a quarterback anyways. And if you let teams trade up for a player in a position that you don't want to draft, it just forces players and positions that you do want to draft farther down the board. Now the next spot, that I think is likely to happen for a trade, but I, it's, it's only if a specific scenario goes through, is number six, the Miami Dolphins. We've already seen them trade from three to 12, 12 back up to six, and they've gained other picks throughout this whole process. However, if for some reason, the Atlanta Falcons stay at number four, and let's say draft Kyle Pitts, and the Cincinnati Bengals don't care about protecting Joe Burrow and go after Jamar Chase, which we know they want to get another receiver, even though this like this whole talk of like the Bengals, you know they have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Do they really need a receiver? Joe Burrow was hit so much last year; he was hurt as well. You know he missed missed half the season. You got to protect him. They went after Kenny Galladay in free agency. Ideally for them, they could have went after Kenny Galladay and then drafted an offensive lineman here. But instead, what they did do is they actually signed Riley Reef, who we'll talk about on a TikTok later. As I'm going through the NFL series of every NFL team's best offseason move. Uh, So be sure to check out Second and Short Podcast on TikTok, as every day we're dropping new content as well. But back to this. Since they were making an effort to sign Kenny Galladay to a big contract, why would they not go after Jamar Chase? If that situation, that whole scenario plays out, where it goes quarterback, 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 Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, in either order, Miami's going to be stuck. They don't need a quarterback. They just drafted Tua. They don't want to go out and get the second best receiver. Granted, they could draft Panacea well out of Oregon if they wanted to go offensive alignment, which they do kind of need. But that presents them an opportunity that the fourth quarterback is available and now teams can trade up to them. I think if that happens, it's a scenario where like the New England Patriots could trade up or the Washington football team, Chicago Bears. And I think that would force Denver at nine to feel comfortable that a quarterback is going to fall. The next spot on this list is number seven with Detroit. The only reason that I'm going to bring up Detroit is because we have no idea what Detroit is going to do. When you look at Detroit as a team, it surprises me that they're drafting at seven. You would expect them to draft one, two, or three. You just would, based on the talent and the team that they have. That just kind of shows what Matt Stafford does to a team. If a team is in the bottom of the the NFL, he's still going to find some little way to kind of get them some wins and push them up. But since we don't know what they're gonna do, you know, they need a wide receiver, sure. So you know, if Chase falls somehow, they could get him. If, if you know, they won't draft Kyle Pitts because they have T.J. Hawkinson. They could draft offensive lineman. They could also go linebacker and Micah Parsons, who is risky with his red flags. He's got some. He's, he's he's a damaged. He's a damaged prospect to me at this point, but he is still an elite linebacking talent. I still think he's a top two, top three linebacking talent no matter what. So with that being said, we don't know what they're going to do. So why not trade down? I mean, I just reviewed in my last week's episode that they are an ideal trading spot for the Los Angeles Chargers to come up and get that best or second best offensive tackle knowing that they're not going to get the top two guys at 13. Number eight, Carolina Panthers. This is something that I have already predicted. I've already talked about on last week's episode in my community mock draft that I have currently going on with a bunch of people from my, one of my dynasty leagues. We're about to start the third round today. And we have already moved this pick in the first round as well. If a scenario plays out where quarterbacks go the first three or four picks, and then you have Chase, Pitts, and Sewell all gone, Instead of Carolina drafting like Rashawn Slater, who we don't know if it's their number two tackle. I mean, Christian Derisall, you know, from Virginia Tech is a four year starter. He's top he's like ten to thirteen range. Carolina could trade down, hope that a tackle falls to them or a cornerback and just kind of take best player available and gain an extra first round pick. If somebody wants to come up and get the fourth and or fifth best quarterback, that is the final spot to come up for a quarterback, in my eyes. If they already haven't moved up and traded, this is a spot that we could see the Washington football team or the Chicago Bears give up a ransom, New England Patriots as well, and give up an extra first-round pick and a third or second-round pick this year just to move up to get that quarterback. And that's where this list ends for quarterbacks. I believe that in the top 10, we'll have five, four to five quarterbacks drafted. It just In my eyes, it's set. It's going to go that way. When we get to nine, we, I don't think Denver is a candidate to trade down. There are more candidate to trade up or stay where they are and take whatever's left over. Now, number 10, the Dallas Cowboys are very interesting because I've read reports that Dallas wants to trade up maybe to number four and take Kyle Pitts. You know, Jerry Jones had a really good draft last year. I have never seen a guy get... Cur- Criticize and critique so much for the way he builds his team and tries to manipulate the system with contracts and stuff. And then comes out and has, in my eyes, a flawless draft. He had the best draft of last year. And he did it all in his like, his spaceship that he was on the whole time, drafting him by himself and had a, the rest of his team away from him. But Dallas is at a very interesting spot because if, if they don't trade up, ideally the first nine picks could be all offensive players. Really, that could happen, even if only one defensive player is taken. The top-tier defensive talent is going to be there for them. And Dallas wants to mess up its division rivals just as much as it wants to better itself. Literally, reports came out that the Giants might trade down from 11, and we're going to talk about them here in a second. And then like around that same time, I don't know if it was reported just first or right after, but apparently Dallas Cowboys might want to trade down now their destination people are calling them so they're in it to win it to push back any competition from their division rivals and they're in a prime position if somebody wants to come up and get the best defensive player or second best they're the spot to go now i just talked about the new york giants at number 11 here's the thought will this team trade down i'm saying no i know I'm, i know i said i'm going to talk about the spots that i think are most likely This is my honorable mention right here. I'm going to include them. I'm going in order. The reason why they're included is because it has came out and reported that they are interested in trading down and that they're receiving calls for their pick. However, this is David Gediman's ninth year as a general manager, and in eight seasons drafting in the first round, he has never traded down. Even when there are multiple years that he should have, he has never traded down. So why am I to believe that he is going to do the same thing here and not just take the best talent? He could have traded down and got Andrew Thomas last year, like maybe like pick nine or 10. He could have gotten Daniel Jones around pick 10, 11. Like He could have traded down and got these guys. Granted, that's all speculation. We don't actually know that, but that's what I believe. So what I would like to think is that they won't trade down, but they are gonna get a lot of calls. Now let's move on to our last our last three spots. I'm kind of cheating with this, but so number 14 is the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings are in a prime position to trade down and still get a player that they value and like. They are sitting in a spot where I believe that they need offensive line help. However, they are the Minnesota Vikings. We know what they're going to do. They're not going to protect Kirk Cousins because if they protect Kirk Cousins, then nobody will have anything to complain about in Viking land. And I know, I know where I'm at, guys. I know where my location is. I'm in the Black Hills, and here there are a lot of Broncos fans and a lot of Vikings fans. Personally, I think the Broncos fans overreact and love their quarterback way too much. And I think the Minnesota Vikings fans like don't appreciate their quarterback as much as they should. That's just me. When you only have like 1.9 seconds to throw a ball. It's hard for you to be the most efficient passer, yet your cousin still is a very efficient passer. I think they're in an op- optimal position to draft an offensive lineman. However, again, if somebody else wants to offer them a good trade and move up, they could. There's a really good spot here for teams to move up and get that, that number three wide receiver, maybe to come up and get that number two cornerback. And if teams think that that's a better fit for them than sitting in the 20s, we could see Minnesota turning back as well. Number 21, the Indianapolis Colts. And I think this is a wide receiver destination. Let's say two, maybe three wide receivers are already off the board. And that fourth wide receiver is there. We know the Tennessee Titans at number 22 need a wide receiver. I don't know if they're going to take a receiver in the first round. However, they need one. Their number two guy right now is Josh Reynolds, who has been a career number three, number four with the Rams. And I think he's a good player. I think he's a really good guy. I think he can work really well as a number three. I don't think he's your number two. And I think someone like Rashawn Bateman, if he's there from Minnesota, or maybe somebody wants to take a risk and, you know, go with Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore out of Ole Miss and Purdue, respectively. But I think that's a spot if somebody wants to jump the Titans and get a, t- a wide receiver, they can do that. Now, let's talk about the final spot. Now, final spot, I'm cheating here. It is actually picks 30 through 32, Buffalo, Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Now, there is no position that I'm going to say teams are going to trade up for at this spot. Unless somebody wants to get Kellen Mond and they want to add a six quarterback to this first round or Kyle Trask, whatever, whoever your flavor of the day is. But what we need to remember is the first 32 picks are eligible for a fifth year option. And that is very valuable. And for teams like Kansas City, Tampa Bay, even Buffalo, um, who are flirting with cap space that they need a little more. They've got a lot of vets that they really like on big, expensive contracts. Trading down to get a cheaper rookie contract this year as well as pick up some more picks to help fill your roster at a cheaper rate is ideal. And we've seen teams time and time again trade up from the second round to get that final pick in the, you know, the back of the rounds to, kind of, to kind of solidify and get that fifth year option. And that's going to do it for us here on Second and Short. That is all we have for the show this week. It is finals time, really right on the corner, graduation time right on the corner, so these shows are going to be short, but next week, going to come back with one big, long show just because the NFL Draft is nine days away. It'll be two days away as of next Tuesday, and I'm going to be dropping a community mock draft with a former co-host of mine, Molly McIntyre. Let's give big props to her as well. She just signed on as the very first female play-by-play for the Sioux Falls Canaries, Congrats on her making history out there. She's going to join us next week for this live, you know, back and forth two-person mock draft that we're going to do. We're going to have some trades in there. We're going to go over it in some quick, timely manner. You're only going to get about two minutes on the clock to make your pick and describe why and tell everybody why it's the best pick. So thank you guys for listening. Be sure to go out there and check out Second and Short on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We are everywhere that you want that you can listen to us, we're there. You want just info or graphics, we're there. You want polls, we're there. Quick little minute videos, every day. My name is Kyle Lauder. Thank you guys for listening. And you guys enjoy the rest of your day.